Hello and welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast, the show that empowers you to wake up to your full potential and achieve your biggest goals and dreams. I am your host, Hal Elrod, and I invite you to join us each week as we share actionable strategies to take your life to the next level, as well as interview world-class experts and entrepreneurs who have achieved extraordinary goals themselves, and we ask them to give you a peek behind the curtain and teach you exactly what you need to do to do the same. Ready? Here we go. Goal Achievers, welcome to another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast. I'm going to tell you that when world-class organizations like Harvard University, YPO, EO, and others want to help their people succeed at home, they call on the man that we are about to talk to. And uh, Jim Shields is on a clear mission in this lifetime, deepen relationships and improve education for entrepreneur families. And Jim's popular book has been a game changer for me and my family. I discovered it a few years ago, and we started implementing it. And the book is called The Family Board Meeting. And the strategy that goes along with it has helped families and parents worldwide connect with their children in fun and experiential ways. And by creating the education matrix, Jim is also helping change our education system and better prepare our children for the more practical affairs of life. And you may have heard me talk in the past that you know my children go to Acton Academy, which is a very unique school. And when I uh, I saw Jim speak quite a few years ago at the Front Row Dads Retreat, and he introduced this education matrix, so I was like, oh, you pretty much invented Acton Academy. Like, you're very much in alignment. And you know, I pulled Jim aside afterwards, and we chatted about education for quite a while. And um, he's often referred to, actually, he and his wife, Jamie, are both often referred to as crazy glue for families. And they're on a mission to revolutionize family life. And they want to help you enjoy your family more than the average parent balancing success at work with success at home. After all, as Jim reminds us, you only have 18 summers to make memories with your children. Not that much when you think about it. So my mission in life, or I should say my highest priority is my family and my kids. And so it really, I'm excited for this conversation that I'm going to have with Jim today because I've heard him speak. We've had one-on-one conversations before. He is very heart-centered, very brilliant, and very purpose-driven. And uh, Jim, welcome to the Achieve Your Goals podcast. Thanks, Hal. It's good to be back in conversation with you. Yeah, brother. You too, man. So let's just start. In fact, you and I were uh, talking the other day about the fact that we'd be talking today. And uh, you had said a few things. And I went, Jim, I think you just like revolutionized the way I'm going to approach my podcast from now on. (laughs) All right. That's pretty good. I get like one good idea a month too. So you just took it. I nailed it. I stole (laughs) it. Nice, dude. So I just realized the big picture theme of this show, right? It's helping people achieve their goals. And so sometimes I do solo episodes. More often than not, I usually interview somebody. And what I kind of realized is that the theme of any interview that I have is just, you know, what's been your most significant goal in your life that you've achieved? And how did you achieve it? That's the basis, I feel like, of any conversation that I have. So you're the first person that I think I'm asking that question in that way, too. And it's really two questions in one. But what's been the most significant goal in your life, Jim, that you achieved? And how did you achieve it? Yeah. And when you asked me that last week, I'll tell you, you had me in deep thought for a while. And I've always tried to narrow things down to like one or two words because there's so many good words out there, but you got to go to the few great. And what I came to how really pondering on this was what I wanted from a personal and professional level, I always try to keep that yin and yang balance of the two, is I wanted freedom and connection. And the, the, the thing that I'm sure we'll talk about today is how did I achieve that? Uh, obviously through entrepreneurship, 
but also through setting some powerful rhythms in my life. Hmm. You know, one of them being the Miracle Morning, quite honestly. Of course. I'm just kidding. <laughs> of course, I had to give you that <laughs> shout out, but it's absolutely true yeah. to jumpstart the day. But what I found is I wanted freedom and connection in both my personal and professional life. And by setting certain powerful rhythms into my life, that's when it allowed me to achieve it. Got it. Freedom and connection. So when you say freedom and connection, let's take those one at a time. How do you define freedom? Yeah, freedom to create my own schedule. Okay. If I want to go to the gym at 10 in the morning uh, or 7 in the morning or 3 in the afternoon, I can do that. If I want to move a few things around and go surfing with my son, I can do that. If I want to go uh, on to a, a big family vacation for, for a, a long trip, no one can tell me you have to put in for the time. Hmm. I wanted the freedom professionally to to be able to do that and to work in, I know I've heard you and I talk about this before, in my own genius, the things I was good at. I didn't want to be imprisoned into doing something I hated and something I frankly wasn't very good at. So that's kind of freedom on, on the on the personal and business side. I wanted to have the freedom to choose when to spend time with my loved ones and to do the things that created resource where I could do that. Uh, and that's why entrepreneurship really called to me because there was no ceiling. Yeah, beautiful. And that's, and you and I are 100% aligned on kind of our definition of freedom and it being arguably one of the most important things in our lives. So uh, how about connection? For me, connection was, and, and how we've had some deep talks and what you've gone through is significant and I always applaud you for your positive attitude and your perseverance and your success you know, getting through uh, illness and, and overcoming it. But I have, I have not gone through anything like you, but when I donated a kidney to my father seven years ago, mm. it, it really became a thing. And I think I shared this with you. I don't want to live on the surface. I don't care what the rest of the world is doing. I know that mortality is real. Mm -hmm. So I want to make the most of the time I got. I'm hoping I'm here till 119. That's my goal. Nice. But every, every day counts. Every summer counts. That's why we named our company 18 Summers, because that simple math equation from a mentor of mine said, look, the time is, is limited. The, the stats are there. My kids are growing. I'm letting you know. They're still your kids once they grow up, but it's going to be different. Yeah. The time is going to be different. Eat it up now. Yeah. So I really, I wanted to live life below the surface. When I have a conversation with you on the side of the room, I don't want to know what the weather's like in Austin. I want to know how are your kids liking acting? What was it like going through this? What has been your biggest struggle going from sales to this? To that? I just, I don't want to live on the surface. So with my family, with my friends, with myself, you know, I want to self-reflect. I wanted to learn meditation. I wanted to learn to surf. Things that really called to me, that's what I figure is connection, not only for myself, but the people closest to me. And, and you, you hear about these, I think it was Benjamin Franklin talked about people that go, you know, through life as ghosts from the age of 25 to 75. I didn't want to be a ghost. So for connection for me is kind of a passion for living going places where I want to go uh, that, that inspire me, hanging out with people that do the same thing. And that gives me that sense of connection where I can look at my wife, I can look at my sons, I can look at my daughter, I can look at my close friends, and I can say, I love you, you know I do, and I got your back, and vice versa. That's what connection means to me. Beautiful, beautiful, man. So you mentioned you want to live to be 119. I'm curious why 119? It just, it's kind of a cool number. <laughs> you know, we, we pick out a number and um, I have Irish relatives that have lived forever, like over a hundred. And I thought, wow, with everything that's happening nowadays and taking good care and nutrition, it just, 
seemed like a good number where I'd get to meet a number of my grandkids and great grandkids. And I'd give quite a bit to myself, society and the people around me and 119 years would, would do me justice. So it's just something that I said, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, uh, Hal of Jack LaLanne. He's mm. kind of a forgotten guy. Yeah, no, I don't forget. Yeah. But he had that book living forever young. I don't even know if it's out anymore, mm. but I'm telling you how I read this book. And there was a picture in him of him in there at the age, I think it was either 80 or 85, completely changed the dynamic of aging and being broken down by the age of 50 or 60, like people talk about. Yeah. And it sticks with me. So I just said, okay, you know, look out further and give yourself something to really shoot for. And if I only make it to 112 and a half, well, <laughs> <I'm okay with laughs> that. it'd be all right. No, it's funny. I was watching Tom Segura, stand up comedian on Netflix the other day. I was watching a special, mostly stories. I think it's his older special, which I highly recommend if you are a fan of stand up comedy in the form of offensive, like, you know, like I love stand up and, you know, I'm not easily offended. If you're easily offended, do not take that recommendation. But, uh, <laughs> it was just funny. He goes, everybody, you know, wants to live to be a hundred. And he goes, have you seen 80? <laughs> He's like, it was, just, it was just, he goes, man, he goes, yeah, I, and I forgot to give an example of somebody that, you know, like so-and-so's 80. He's like, man, I don't want, that doesn't, you know, I don't think he's not thriving. He's not energized at 80, but, uh, but yeah, Jack LaLanne, like you said, game changer when it comes to your picture of what it's like to be in your 80s or beyond. Yeah, I think it's, it's changing. I've met plenty of guys, I'm a surfer. I've met plenty of guys that are surfing in their 80s. Wow. And it's, it's not like they're suffering. I mean, they're living. They're not, and it's not like they catch one wave, they fall down, people have to help them out of the water. I mean, there is, there are things happening. We're in a very exciting time now yeah. with the people that are way smarter than me figuring out, you know, supplemental use, different exercise, things that can help us live. I don't, I don't want to exist to 119. I want to live to 119. It's a big difference. Sure. Yeah. And I have in my affirmations, I, I picked a hundred. Maybe you just brought an extra 19 years to my life. Another great gift, uh, Jim. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't want you to go that early, Hal. Come uh, on. Uh, that's right. When I had my cancer diagnosis, my affirmations where I affirmed that I would live to be a hundred. And then I had like the hashtag 2080. That's the year that all I would actually turn 101. I couldn't talk my wife into getting hashtag 2080 tattooed onto our arms or somewhere in her body. She's, she's not up for it, but I'm still thinking about it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but you just raised it. So, well, you know what? Talk about it because where I was introduced to your work, it was from people recommending this book, the family board meeting that you wrote over and over and over and over again. And I know that became an Amazon bestseller. I think it was 2015. So it's a few years later. I know you've launched a completely updated edition, which I was involved in. Yeah. So tell us about the updated family board meeting. And for those that haven't, don't even know what the book's about, you know, what's the original about and what's the new content that readers can expect? Absolutely. So first of all, it has a great forward because you wrote it. <laughs> and uh, literally my wife and I read it and, and we shed tears because it was so beautiful the way that you opened up. And how, again, when we're going back to connection, it, 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 when I'm 119, hopefully someday, and on my way out, it's not going to be the real estate deals that I did that I remember or, or this or that, but you saying, you know what, Jim, I was sick and your simple little rhythm helped keep me in, in a good mind space and love space with my kids. That's what this is about. And I never expected how for us to be on Miracle Morning podcast, you know, seven, eight years ago, but this was a simple little rhythm that I put into life with my sons and when I started to tell the results I got very shyly, because I didn't really want to share this, people said, you need to share this more. You need to share this more. Then my friend at Dan Sullivan, strategic coach, Shannon Waller said, if you don't put this in a book, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> so, 
And that's where it came about. And, and what I found is we all want to keep our priorities. And again, going back to Miracle Morning, how do you keep priority in your life where you start the day off right with a Miracle Morning? But what about relationships? And what I found is if you'll put a few simple rhythms in your life, like this family board meeting strategy, it deepens the connection. It keeps you grounded. It keeps you more consistent, which can be hard for a lot of us who are super busy running here and there. Like, you know, we don't want that feeling of guilt or depression, like if we're not spending enough time with our family or we feel like we're on the surface. So the family board meeting is a very simple rhythm that I've been practicing for about eight years with, with my sons and now my younger daughter. And I know you've been doing it for a few years as well. And that's how we got introduced. Sure. And I want to circle back because I realized that I had asked you something, we had touched on it, and then I just skipped into the, uh, I wanted to ask about the book. And you've just touched on this concept of rhythms again. And you mentioned that, you know, your most significant goal in life, you wanted freedom, you wanted connection. And now that you have both those at a high level, the other question was, how did you accomplish that, right? And so you said you accomplished it by putting these rhythms in place. So can you talk more about, you know, define what is a rhythm and, and what are the rhythms that you have in your life, not just for the family, but for your business, for your income, for your success, health, these rhythms that allow you to keep a consistently kind of thriving life, if you will? Yes, good, good question. And we'll get back to the family board meeting and how that works with family. It's very simple to understand, implement, and everyone by the end of this call will know how. Uh, but for rhythms, how I was taught probably about 10, 12 years ago by a, a, another mentor of mine. I'm a big believer in mentors. He said, Jim, rhythmize your life around your biggest priorities. So I did that in both my personal and professional life. And what I found is just like you talk about, sometimes you don't feel like getting up early. Sometimes you don't feel like going through all of uh, the, the motions of, of your morning miracle. But you're going to feel better once you do. And it's yeah. going to keep you grounded and secure and moving forward. That's what rhythms have done for me. So, for example, after we finish this call, I have a standing call once a week in person with my CFO and my real estate investment company. What I found going through different mentoring groups and, and different mastermind groups was most people, entrepreneurs especially, don't want to look at the numbers. They want to kind of skirt over it and talk about big things. What I learned years ago, and I kind of had to, especially 10 years ago going through 2008, yeah. is you got to look at the numbers. You got to understand the numbers. You don't have to do the accounting or the bookkeeping necessarily, but you have to look at them. You have to work with them. And just like you can't go to the gym once, you know, once a month, you got to have a schedule to keep these things up. So for years now, every Wednesday, three o'clock, me and my CFO, who handles all my accounting and stuff for my real estate investment company, we sit down and go through the numbers. Here's where we're at. Here's what we planned. Here's where we go to the next thing. That's one of the most powerful things that I could do. And then breaking it down another, I have a real estate investment company. That's what I did full time for 19 years. I still have it, but I'm parlaying my money into now this mission to help deepen family life. And what I would have was a simple rhythm and goal that every day for an hour, I'd look for deals. That was it daily look yeah. for deals, for deals, look for deals because that was one of the most important things. I had backers. I had crews to fix them. I had management to do it. I was the deal guy. I was good at unturning the rocks. And I knew that to keep our volume, to hit our goals, to keep that consistent thing. And again, we did simple little houses, how, but the, but the clock would hit Monday morning. And I would say by Friday, I'm going to have two new deals that fit our parameters and how I would do it is one hour a day, look for a deal, look for a deal, look for a deal. And that was it. So you have to like when you're, especially when you're building a business, there are certain things like you're going to like to do. I liked looking for the deals. Yeah. 
So I made that a priority and I knew that got the highest results. Now, I don't necessarily look like, like looking at the numbers. I mean, I sometimes just P&L. I can't stand it. I was just thinking about that today. <laughs> right? I hate it, How It's, not, hate it's it. not my favorite, but it's like, okay, yeah. I'm going to take my vitamins. Those are like your financial vitamins. If you will keep a rhythmic thing with a bookkeeper and accountant, and I can't tell you how many, and I'm sure a lot of people out there would raise their hand, especially real estate investors. And I know you and I have a lot of mutual real estate investor friends, hugely successful now. When they first started in the first few years, they weren't looking at their numbers at all. And it was a cluster to fix it. I was one of them. And it's a terrible feeling not knowing where your books are, not having your taxes done. And, and I just swore I'd never be there again. But I found, with again, setting that rhythm and staying with it every week, two hours, going through the numbers, it, it keeps you grounded. It keeps you moving forward. It keeps you looking at bigger opportunities. And what I found is, when you're starting a business, there's going to be things that really get results. Some you're going to enjoy doing, some you're not. And you can delegate some, but some you got to stay involved with. And what I encourage is set certain rhythms and stay with them. Another rhythm of mine is every quarter, how I'm in some sort of mastermind group where I'm meeting with people that I think are good, solid people that are going to challenge me personally and professionally. Every quarter, boom, boom, boom. And you don't have to have too many of these professional rhythms, but you have to have a few. Like I know you. You went through probably the best sales training in the country, as far as I'm concerned, with people I've met, Cutco. Yeah. And you have to keep certain rhythms that of, of follow-up that you had to do to hit the numbers that you wanted if you wanted to be the best. Yeah. And, and what I found is so many people, especially entrepreneurs who are more fire red, you know, if you know Colby, they're, they're more quick start. They're like, let me just run this way, run that way, run this way, run that way. I found I have to work less hard if I stick to my rhythms and I get better results. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing is, the things that you hate doing, like looking at the numbers or anything in life, personally, like I used to hate running. What I've realized is that the more you do it, the less you dislike it. And to the point where you get acclimated to it, right? You know, like I don't like running. And then I start running. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. And then all of a sudden, my body's getting acclimated. And my mind's getting acclimated. And after a few weeks, I'm like, actually, I'm finding the joy in running. Yes. And I think the same thing is true for your numbers, right? Once you get used to it, it's no longer something you dread because it's just something you do. And whether or not it becomes your favorite thing and something you love, it definitely the the hate of it, the detest it being something that you resist with every fiber of your being. I feel like that just diminishes and you're able to do it, whether it's working out or even eating right. I remember I was 21, I think, and I had become vegan and a buddy of mine was over at my visiting my apartment and, uh, you know, I was pouring a bowl of cereal or I don't know what it was, but I, I just remember I had like almond milk or I think back then it was soy milk back then before they knew about soy and all that. It's actually, it was soy milk. That was the first like alternative to dairy milk. And I poured the soy milk and he goes, man, is it really worth it? And, uh, I said, what, what do you mean? And he's like, man, you got to drink that soy milk. You know, I mean, I didn't even know how it tastes like that soy milk, you know? And I said, I've been drinking this for about six months. I said, do you think I even think twice when I pour a bowl of cereal now? You think I go, oh gosh, it's no, I go, it's it's just a rhythm, right? It's now become a rhythm. So I I love what you're talking about there. And for you listening, if you're listening to this, what are the rhythms in your life that you know you should or could, or let's say should, right? Should be doing. What are the rhythms when it comes to your relationship? Like a rhythm, uh, Jim, I'm going to speak on this for just a minute here. Sure. My wife and I just recently set up a rhythm that I've known we should be doing. I've heard that we should do it. I've heard it's great. And it's so funny, we hear this stuff and until you do it, and it was simply weekly date night. My wife and I would go on a date whenever we'd find time. And it'd probably average maybe once a month and maybe some months we didn't even get to a date. 
And then just a few months ago, we committed to a weekly date night every Thursday. And it's been amazing, like the amount of just connection that we have and just the opportunity to just connect and get away from the kids and have some space and have some alone time and have some great conversation and be romantic and drink a little alcohol here. You know, it's just, it's been amazing, right? That rhythm. So again, if you're listening, what are the rhythms in your personal life, your relationships, your health, your spirituality, your business? What are the rhythms, the ongoing consistent activities that you do daily or weekly that will make significant improvements in your world. And Jim, you mentioned like Cutco. For me, it was 20 calls a day, five days a week, right? I hated making phone calls. Nobody liked it. But what happened is it became part of me. I didn't even think about it after I was doing that consistently for a few weeks and then months. And then I became one of the top reps, not because I was the best salesperson in the world. I just was made my 20 phone calls no matter what, right? Yeah. And that making that those rhythms non-negotiable. So I love that. Well, so in the family board meeting book, you mentioned what you call the big lie of entrepreneurship. What is that and how does it harm families? Yeah, the big lie of entrepreneurship kind of goes back to freedom, where a lot of people read similar genres of what I read, and I'm sure you read when we first got into this, and it was this entrepreneurship creates this freedom of choice. You can choose your schedule. You can choose when you want to hang out with your family. You can choose how much money you make. And what that freedom can kind of be taken away because the, the entrepreneurial lie that I talk about in the family board meeting is look, we are going to put our family on the sacrificial altar for now Mm. so that we can just blow out our business and they'll understand. Someday they'll understand. The problem is how I've been doing this now for five, six years, very intimately with a lot of great entrepreneur families out there. Someday never comes and they don't understand. We're at a different developmental age at our age now that our kids are at, going from three to 18. And that's the great entrepreneurial lie, that someday we'll, we'll make it up to them. Someday they'll understand. And that lost time of connection cannot be given back. So that's the lie that I want to see so many people do it. Say, I'm doing it for my family. I'm doing it for my family. But there comes a fine line. I know we talked about that, how different dads groups we've been in, where we cannot be willing with the, with the limited time we have to put our family on the altar constantly in the name of business. Not if that's going to be a priority. Not if you've chosen as your deepest core value, you know, the health of yourself and your closest loved ones. You cannot do it. And the good news is you can draw that line in the sand and say, nope, I'm not going to do it. And I think once you get that clarity, your mind starts to think differently and say, okay, since I'm not willing to put them on the altar, but I still have that entrepreneurial drive, how can I have both ways? At least that's what happened for me. If I was willing to keep giving up my family time, giving up my family time and doing it in their honor because we'll be able to take a trip in 10 months, but I'm not going to be around. First of all, I feel way worse about myself. But secondly, it's going to cause disconnect. But what I found is if I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to sacrifice them. I start to think differently. How can I tackle this big project I have in front of me a little differently? Because I'm not going to sacrifice now. I'm not going to be a completely missing parent for six months, eight months, and and then come back and say, okay, the project went great. There has to be a, a cleaner balance. Yeah. Pre-cancer, I was living that lie in the biggest way. And the thing is, it's a lie that we tell ourselves. So it's not like we're lying to our family. Where like, you know, intentionally where we're going, yeah, you you know, you guys have been doing it for you. And then behind the scenes, we're like, hey, yeah, right. I'm not doing it for them. Like, you know, to me, it's this lie that we're living and we're, we're lying to ourselves. We're not aware of it. 
Yeah. You know, for me, I thought I was doing it all for them. And whatever badge of entrepreneurial honor that you used, you know, I hustle, I grind, I, you know, like I see these terms. And uh, I guess maybe when I was single, you know, the terms were relative, but now I'm like, dude, it's got to be family first. And I realized that, you know, John Vroman was the one I think that said it to me that he realized his kids were not going to remember how many mortgage payments he made. Right. They weren't going to yeah. remember how many, right. Like that was not what life and neither was he at the end of his life. He, neither was he. Right. And yet we're spending our time to accumulate money, wealth, either whether it's to pay the bills or if the bills are already paid, we're just, we're, you know, it's like we're that eight side. We're trying to get further and further ahead or pad our emergency funders or whatever it is. And I like what you said is that it doesn't have to be an either or it's getting creative. How do I do both? And we have to go through these things to get clarity. And I'm sure you've seen Miracle Morning's an incredible brand that's helped millions of people now. But if I interviewed both your little ones who I've met before, if I said rank first and second, the Miracle Morning or dad, how? <laughs> I mean, you are a far first. They're like, Miracle, compared to dad, if I had a choice of one or the other, like they want you. And that should be so refreshing. That was refreshing for me, how I might not die with, with the biggest business. I might not, but man, I'm going to be connected to my kids. Yeah. And that, that gives me some sort of, um, encouragement, some sort of inspiration. And the, the good news is for people who are listening, like, man, this is pretty heavy. This is where rhythms come in. And you've already hit on it again, how these, these simple rhythms that just keep the beat and keep you having that space, like you talked about, you put a few into place. I'm not talking, you need to put these 27 rhythms into practice. Yeah, sure. I mean, we can go over two and literally you hit the nail on the head. If I had to break it down and you said, Jim, best two rhythms for your personal life with your family. Yeah. By far, by far, date night with a question. After I have my accounting meeting, every Wednesday night, five to eight, me and Jamie go on a date. And we call it nice. date night with a question. What we decided to do, how was, I want to make sure again, how's the weather? How are the kids today? We, I mean, those are important things, but we try to find one really deep, powerful question that we both need to answer on date night. It's just, mm. so we call it date night with a question. That holds us in. And again, an advice, most of my advice comes from mentors before me, but, but my one mentor said, Jim, if you don't have time to keep dating your wife, you don't have time to stay married. And it was like, ouch, punch to the gut. Yeah. So that, that one strategy has been my, our most powerful. And then for me and my kids, without a doubt, and they would probably say the same, my family board meeting strategy that we've been practicing for years absolutely solidifies our relationship. Gotcha. So the um, date night with a question, Give me an example of a powerful question that, you know, a recent question that you and your wife answered or, or just one of your favorite. Yeah. So name a time that I really disappointed you and what I could have done differently. Mm. And that's, that's a tough one to listen to. You got to go into this with, with your dukes down Yeah. Uh, or name a time that I really showed up for you, a specific time I really showed up for you and why, why it felt like I was 100% there for you. So that's one. And, and another one that we just did last week or, was the week before was what were your highlights of the trip? We did, we try to do a big 18 summers adventure every summer and we did a five week road trip, um, up to Nova Scotia and we, we just debriefed our favorite moments of the trip. So it could be heavy in that. I would, I would try to make it sure that it's a conversational one. Yeah. Um, you know, because to say, what is your favorite color? You know, I think there was that Monty Python. What is your favorite color? You know, <laughs> it's not going to get you anywhere. But uh, those are just a few examples. And there's plenty of ones you can pull offline of like deep, deep questions to ask your spouse. Yeah. But just start with one. 
And if you do that, think about that. And you've now gone at the end of the year, you asked each other 52 powerful questions that you now know the answers to. Beautiful, beautiful. And then family board meetings. Can you give the quick kind of structure, the overview of what that is? Yes. So what I do is my kids are by far my most important investors and clients. I'm an entrepreneur. I think like one, I put them heads above all. So just like most successful businesses, you heard about um, most big businesses have a quarterly board meeting. And the purpose of it was an important meeting that will reunite the team and look ahead to the next 90 days. I do that with my kids, How? So every 90 days, I have what I call a board meeting, an important meeting with my kids. And there's only three guiding principles. It's got to be at least uh, a minimum of four hours, which I talk about in the book because that creates uh, decompression, um, which is super important for open lines communication and real connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's only three guiding principles to my, to my board meeting strategy. Every 90 days, we get together for at least four hours. And then it means one-on-one without electronics and a fun activity of their choice with focused reflection. And those three together, which I go into the book, are so important. I think it was Roman who said, man, that's the peanut butter and jelly. When you put all three of them together, it just, it just sets the stage for connection. It sets the stage for, for memories. And it is absolutely the pillars in my relationship. Now, do I spend time with my kids in between? Of course. But I can tell you that naturally, on a daily basis, the time is more in depth because of these um, board meetings. And I, I, I don't know if you want me to share the story about my son that inspired this. Um, but that was the uncomfortable family event that I had to go through to share this, see the results. And now, yeah, no, please do. Please share the story. My wife and I met, uh, eight years ago, eight or nine years, almost nine years ago now, uh, fell in love instantly. Uh, she was, uh, running a Waldorf school. So again, going back to education, it, it was peas and carrots right away. When I met her, how I got the chance to win her heart in the heart of two beautiful little boys who were seven and five. My wife was married young, um, to a high school boyfriend, terrible situation. She's, I respect her more than anyone in this world, stood up for herself, got out of it, got full custody of her sons. And we met a few years later and. The boys and I hit it off famously right away, Hal. And I think you've actually met them once or twice now. Yeah. Uh, but but they had trust issues and for good reason. And it was especially hard on my oldest son, Alden. And when I came to his life at the age of seven, he was a terrible student close to failing. Uh, he had been put on the spectrum at school for autism. And uh, he suffered every night from something called night terrors. And Hal, if you don't know what those are, people out there listening, you, you're lucky. Yeah. I'm familiar, not personally, but yeah, I've heard. They're awful, Hal. They're awful. Now, I am, I've been accused of being a naive optimist on certain things. And I was already doing work with families just on the side as almost like a fun uncle. But I knew the situation could change. And I knew trust and connection were at the root of it. And what I started to do was do these board meetings with my sons. And Within one year of starting these board meetings, these rhythmic every 90 days, let them choose the day, open up lines of communication, turn your phone off, be one-on-one with no distractions. The breakthroughs we had, Hal, and my wife and I can pinpoint what happened when we reflected back. Within one year, Hal, my son went from failing, and I've since adopted both the boys they asked me to adopt them years ago. Mm. My son went from failing to being awarded the most improved student of the third grade, and he got his little award, he was beaming. Um, they retracted the diagnosis of autism, which is very rare. And I knew it wasn't autism. It was stress related that could be overcome. 
And probably for me, how the most rewarding thing for me and my wife is the night terrors within one year were completely gone. Wow. Completely gone. And I would have given how my entire real estate portfolio for those results. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. I didn't have to. So this simple, and once I started to share the story and more people started to practice this simple little rhythm, I've gotten letters and I've gotten phone calls and I've gotten gifts of just saying, you cannot believe what my son opened up to me about on our board meeting today. You can't believe how this helped me while I was sick, while, while we were going through this divorce. It's a simple rhythm that can be understood and continued to be practiced. And it gets better and better. I can't wait. I have a, I have a fishing one with Alden this Friday. In the afternoon, we're going out fishing. That's his choice. Hal, you wouldn't even recognize him. He's big, tall, strong. I mean, the old Alden of, of eight years ago is, is a completely different person. And I just believe that's the power of love and connection when we, we can build trust and we spend focused time. And I, I want to add to people out there because people might be thinking, I got those results without therapy and without medication. And those, both of those things can come in handy at certain times, but that's not what was needed for me and my son to connect and for him to overcome. Wow. Beautiful. And I'll tell you, Jim, the family board meeting that the strategy, what it did for me as well is it just opened me up to the importance of turning off the electronics one on one time. And so I do these, you know, I don't call them family board meetings, right? But it's like, like, for example, tonight, David Osborne, mutual friend of ours. Oh, yeah. We're doing our first ever double daddy daughter date. I love it. Yeah. And honestly, the first time we talked about it, we were talking about family board meetings. And I'm like, dude, we should do like a variation where we do like a double daddy daughter date and we have both the girls, you know, because our daughters are like best friends. And but yeah, so I mean, literally the family board meeting, it spawns and sparks, I think, all these other ideas of ways to connect on how do you create daily rhythms? Like every day I play with my son for at least 30 minutes in the morning when he wakes up. We did it this morning. Uh, we played trick shot ping pong, which is this game we invented where we just hit the ping pong paddle. We try to bounce it off the walls and get it to land back on the table and stuff. And love it. Uh, anyway, but, uh, but yeah, man, that was all inspired by family board meetings. So, dude, you're you're a great man. You're a great leader and a great teacher. Jim, what's the best way for people to continue learning from you? Whether it's you know your books, your email list, what's the best way for them to keep learning from you? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'd encourage you to pick up a copy of the family board meeting. A lot of my entrepreneur friends love it because it's simple and short. It's short. It's super short. (laughs) Super short, easy read. But it's got a lot of the questions that might be coming up in your head that are easy to understand and apply. What did you do? How did you overcome this? We've got a a distant team. It's all in there. Give it a read. If you want to learn more about what we do, some speeches that I do, and I've been lucky to be on stage with Hal on that. Just go to 18summers.com. You can learn more about myself and my wife and what we're doing to help entrepreneurs' families. That's the number 18, right? 18summers? 18summers.com. And just always remember that if people said, what's your one parting thing? Saying, man, I've never forgot it. Do the math. Every moment counts. We love summer. So I always say, you got 18 summers. So I'm counting them down. And it really causes a positive urgency to take hold of that time with your family. Beautiful, Jim. Well, thank you for the impact you've had in my family, man. I can't thank you enough for that. You're welcome. And have a great time with David tonight. I'm psyched to hear you guys are doing that. Absolutely. And uh, goal achievers. So again, I come back and ask, what are the rhythms in each area of your life and or your business that you need to start implementing? The daily, the weekly activities, even the monthly or quarterly activities. And I invite you to choose one and implement it in the next 24 hours, right? Choose one. Is it starting to exercise? Is it giving up drinking something? Is it, you know, rhythm that you, that you're in that's not a good rhythm that you need to get rid of? But what are the rhythms that'll make an impact for you? 
for your family, personally, professionally, and every other way. So love you, Goal Achievers. Thanks for tuning in. And I will talk to you all next week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about the Achieve Your Goals podcast and to get access to today's show notes, transcript, and exclusive content from Hal Elrod, visit halelrod.com forward slash podcast. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Achieve Your Goals podcast.